guys, this was my bad. Um, it it seemed like a good idea at okay. the time. Okay, that makes me feel less bad. But I, 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 I I'll, I'll jump on this grenade. This was a bad choice. You got any Lysol left? Uh, I don't know. The cleaning supplies and shit and the secret uh, compartments. How do those look? Uh, Shotgun. I, I sold most of that stuff behind the store. So, yeah. Well, we're pretty bare. Yeah. With Omicron picking back up, you know, mm-hmm. people will start doing anything for, for cleaning supplies. All right. Uh, so, I, I, I tried to assess the comment box to see what it was filled with. So, uh, again, putting Jesus. it in the um, in the porn room was probably a mistake. Uh, mm. I didn't think that that slot would be big enough for anything other than a piece of paper. So I was going to say, how did uh, they get a penis in here? I told you they got thin dicks. They got, uh, I, thin told, di- I, said, I did say it. Yeah. I, I, somebody might have a thin butthole, too, because there's some... God, it's, that, it's multi-color. That or they, okay. they shoved it in with their finger. That's somehow worse, right? If yeah. they tried to waffle stomp on the, their well, own poop into I have that. Okay. I have noticed that when I'm doing returns in here that some of these movies smell like shit. Ah, fuck, okay. All right. Um, so we need to get this thing. Um, all right. It's two doors between us and the dumpster, right? Mm-hmm. I think we just take the loss on this. Obviously, people didn't want to leave comments. They just want to leave um, shit, blood, and jizz. Traces of themselves. Yeah. Um, but if we move it too quick, it's going to blow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's to the very top, dude. Okay. So we need to be we really, lean. really, really careful. If okay. we even lean this thing the wrong way, we're someone's getting doused. Okay. Um Dan, can you hand me that that drill real quick, and I'll I'll take this off the wall, or at least on loosen these screws. Yeah, here you go. All right, Kron, do we have any more rubber gloves? Uh, I dude, I sold all of that stuff. God, I made a killing though, so you're paying for lunch today. Okay, all right. Well, um, I invested that money into buttons. I'm going to open a button business. All right. Did the um, did that German guy or whatever that like uh, that dig crew? Did they leave a wheelbarrow or anything in the back? Can you go check that, Dan? Yeah, I'll check. So. Let me go. Okay, Dan. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being a sport on this, man. I I know sometimes being a gopher on jobs like this gets old, but I appreciate it, man. This is we got to work together here. I appreciate well, it. Might not be the first time I've dealt with this. Okay. Anyway. Okay, um, Kron, so what do you think? Uh, maybe have Dan open the, just hold the doors for us, and we'll just wheel this back. I, I don't know, dude. I mean, I was kind of hoping when Dan got back with the wheelbarrow, we could try to get him to move it. Yeah, okay. I don't think he'll go for that. I think knowing Dan, he'll say, I've been getting all this shit. And, you know, I was trying to kind of talk him up by saying thanks and helping out, and then maybe that'll build his confidence, and then he'll want to do, like, he'll take it some initiative for once. But um, I don't know. I think. No, no one's volunteering for this job. <laughs> all right. What if, what if we just push the wheelbarrow underneath it, and then we'll use some porn DVDs to just kind of pull it and kind of tip it into the wheelbarrow? Or do you think it'll, we run the risk of it blowing open? 
Open the door. It could blow up. I mean, as soon as it drops down, it's going to blow open. Open the door. Open the door. Oh, there it is. There's the wheelbarrow. Oh, sh oh shit. It hit it. What? What, there, what shit was in the wheelbarrow already? I just let it go. It Why didn't you clean this out before you brought it in here? It's a disaster with the wheelbarrow. Like, I just, that, just go. that doesn't mean bring all the shit that's in the... Okay. <laughs> There's bricks. This is another problem. Full, we'll, this full, is just full trash. Bricks and this is trash. We'll just, rebar, dude. we'll just deal with this. All right, dump this over. Okay? So are you going to charge me, me for clean, this door? No, just give me a clean, empty wheelbarrow. Okay? All right, let me take this back here. All right. Okay. I got this side. Can you guys help me with this side? We'll just... Uh, I guess so, man. I just, mean, just let's put just... Your, just put your gloves on. Well, let's not work too quick, because that's how mistakes get made, just dude. I know. Just lift it up. I, Hurry up. Come on. Get... No. Let's just... Oh, fuck, Dan. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, all right. Okay, it's in the wheelbarrow, all right? You got a little on your shirt. So who's... Don't, yeah, don't look I can at see, it. Just, I, I can see Eyes it. here, buddy. Eyes up. Eyes up. Eyes up. Eyes up. We'll deal with that later. All right. Um, I I will push the wheelbarrow. Okay. Kron, will you will you guide me? And Dan, can you yeah. hold the doors open? Got the doors. Got the doors. Okay. All right. Right this way, buddy. Take her slow. Door, we're doing all right. You got it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. There it is. Door slipped. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. I think I'm just gonna go home and I'll clean this tomorrow. Can I get you guys some towels? No, I'm just I'll walk home. I'll leave my car here. Just right. I'll see you guys later. Just stack the bricks on it for now. I'll cover your we'll shit. Deal with it later. On this week's episode of Five Day Rentals, we watch Sorcerer. Welcome back, everybody, to Five Day Rentals. This is a video store podcast where each week we normally pick a movie that we think meets a fun non-genre category, but we're not doing that this week, guys, because it's another five-star banger. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'll be hosting this one. I'm Kron, but joined as always by my co-host Dan. Howdy. And Bones. Hey, man. How's it going, Kron? How are you? Hey, doing great. How was your holiday, my friend? Yeah, we're all uh, coming off of a, a brief intermission from recording these. We had the holidays. I think we all got what we wanted. Dan, a new baby. Me, a PS5, bones, hernia surgery. I couldn't be happier. 
It's the little things in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was good. Did you guys have a nice little break there? I, I guess, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, we're all back here, so it didn't go perfectly for any of us. I, I mean, Christmas really loses its luster once you're like 17, I think. <laughs> and I don't think it really returns. Maybe when you're older. Much, much older. Uh, Okay. Um, I will, like, taking two weeks off the podcast, I kind of, I missed it, man. I kind of like having the the homework. Otherwise, I'm just flipping through my Netflix queue like, well, I don't know what to watch. Should I cancel this? Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time to get a, I I would agree there, you know, watching these is enjoyable. I got caught up on a few, though, saw Benedetta, would definitely recommend anybody to watch that. Yeah. I got caught up on a few. Uh, don't look up, don't look it up. Yeah, it's bad. Um, yeah, if we're going to get those out of the way, I think we are all in an agreement that uh, Matrix Resurre- uh, Resurrections was quite the letdown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was kind of glad we didn't do that for a uh, two-day rental there. Yeah. I wouldn't have even known what to talk about. There are 12 different plot lines happening <laughs> simultaneously in that film. You're going down a rabbit hole, Karan. No pun intended there. <clears throat> well, I'd hate yeah. to dis- dissect the movie for two hours and then in 10 years be told that movie was just a video game about a movie that's actually a video game. You see, I which was liked, actually a video game. I kind of liked that portion of it. I thought like, all right, like that's okay. But I don't know. This isn't a fucking I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we're here to talk called. about a good movie. <laughs> Shit. That's right. That's we're, why we do this thing. We're not talking the new Matrix. We are Talking about a, a much better film, in my opinion, which is 1977 Sorcerer, which was made by William Friedkin. Uh, I don't think this was any of our first time watch, right? No. Second time for me. Okay. So we had all seen this one. Uh, how familiar? I mean, I'm sure we've all seen Fringe Connection and Exorcist, right? So... Oh yeah, those those are the other big freakins I know. I have actually in L.A. Yeah, I have not seen um, Exorcist since I was so little. I really couldn't remember. I mean, remember it being terrifying. I remember some of those standout things, but it's been a while since I've seen it, start to finish. Um, I really enjoy one of his later movies, The Hunted, with Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio del Toro. I don't think it's perfect, but. It's a fun little flick, too. I don't know if I've seen that one. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I do not understand Killer Joe. (laughs) That's a movie I, yeah, I rewatched that maybe a year or two ago and was equally as confused. (laughs) Did, like, how fast when, uh, from when the movie stopped, did you go order chicken? I was eating a bucket already. (laughs) I was eating the chicken when it started, and then I found a hair in it as soon as it started. 
That's a full frontal joke. Because mm-hmm. that's all, like, everybody... It's like, dude, have you seen that, that movie Killer Joe? So weird. Yeah, the chick's, like, totally naked in the beginning. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that, but... Yeah, I couldn't tell you what it was about. I don't remember. That's what I... Uh, when somebody asked me how French Dispatch was, that was my <laughs> review. Full frontal. Isn't a... Uh... McConaughey in Killer Joe. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's kind of verging back into his Texas Chainsaw attitude there. Yeah, that is true. It never left him. No. He's also, like, I'm just going to redo this. Yeah. He, can only, he can only keep it bottled up for so many years before it fights yeah. its way to it's, the surface. It's his purge, right? <laughs> Every 10 years, he's got to revisit some shitty version of that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Next Generation is streaming right now on HBO Max. <laughs> Just getting ready to warn them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Watch we, it. <laughs> Do I yourself it, a favor. I seen it the other day and I like picked up my phone to take a picture and I was like, I don't even want to get started on that. <laughs> Pair it with the new Matrix. They're both on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as is Batman Forever. Yeah, I guess I didn't get my email about that one. All right, so... Uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if Dan has a baby, gets a PS5, and pulls Batman Forever off of HBO Max in the same week, I'm done. What can I say? Uh, that means you've just pulled all the luck. I don't I don't consider having a child luck. Uh, we won't go into That's a different podcast. Oh. Um I did want to ask you guys a question. Uh, do we have New Year's resolutions for the Five Day Rentals podcast? Uh, you know, anything? For the podcast? Well, Karan, if you'd like to give us your own personals, <laughs> uh, please go ahead. <laughs> Quit drinking, but we know we're not going to ever stop that. Why would you? If you are having trouble drinking, uh, please. <laughs> hey, I haven't had a drink all year. Yeah, me either. Oh, shit. Really? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I swear. We're six days in, guys. Today's Insurrection Day. Like, Yeah. But Patriot one of us day. also just had hernia surgery and wanted to be smart about, uh, you know, bloat. Yeah, and I'm not drinking in solidarity with Bones. Thanks, man. Are you not drinking? Is that one of your personal goals cron howard i don't dude i was super sick on new year's day oh, that's right <laughs> i just haven't i haven't yeah. had a drink since then yeah all right because if you guys quit drinking i'm done i'm out of here no no i'm i'm not oh, done okay. yeah oh, i never shit, said shit. that yeah we almost um, ended the show Goddamn. uh i will say we 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 finally reached uh a review on Apple Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Whoever that After was. one year. Uh CD signed sixty-nine. <laughs> Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that one you created? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just uh c- consider yourself a general of the Joss yep. Army. Yep. Uh, yeah, send and us uh that... and I'll send you some stickers, buddy. Well yeah, then so let's let's uh Shout out the person, their podcast. Um, that's Nerds, Ginks, uh, and the Kitchen Sink. 
hosted okay, so by it is, a- it is a fellow uh, indie podcaster. They've got a pretty fun show. They they all right. They've been going for a while. You can find them where uh, you find your podcasts. Um, also for this year, I wanted to make sure that I was like actually logging my letterbox correctly. I have noticed <laughs> you stepped that up a little bit. I've been trying. Yeah. Like, okay. As soon as I finish the fucking thing, actually log it. Cause it gets very frustrating when I'm like, shit, I actually did look. Cause I like when you go into a director or an actor and you can hit that setting that will. How many you've seen? That, but it'll block out ones that you've already seen. Yeah, okay. It'll kind of dim those. I like that setting to kind of, like, okay, there's which of these stand out, so. It's actually really helpful in the long run. Mm Because you're like, oh, shit, I know. And then it's always like, oh, shit, that was two years ago. It felt like I watched that shit like six months ago. Yeah. And as a self-proclaimed Treat Williams completionist, this is going to help me to my... To my goal. Yeah, well, we are a pro Treat Williams podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alive or dead, we love them all the same. Mm-hmm. We, don't we, don't, we, we don't, don't know. We don't know. We don't want to know. We don't want to know. We don't want to know until he, his box pops up one of these days. Mm-hmm. Then we'll be so amazed with that hair that we just won't say anything. Speaking of boxes popping up, potentially exploding. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> We should talk about Sorcerer, the movie we're here to discuss. Uh, This is Sorcerer from 1977. On these five-star bangers, we do not go into the plot detail that we normally run through. I did make notes, kind of high-level notes on it, in case we, you know, want to go through that any. But um, I think we'll start just by... talking about the reception of this movie a little bit uh sorcerer came out i i couldn't pin down if it was the week before or the week after star wars but i do know that star wars basically overshadowed this thing and kind of was the final nail in the coffin for this being any kind of a success never let it even come off the ground really yeah mm-hmm you so can't. I, you can't blame it. No, I mean it's kind of a bum. I mean it's a, a real bummer, but I mean, Star Wars is now this beast that we can't get away from. But yeah, you, I think you it can't just, deny what it would have been like to see that in 1977. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, it kind of. I don't know. That seemed to be like a chain, a, a signal of the change to come of like what Hollywood movies would, you know. These, mm-hmm. like, huge blockbuster kind of uh, spectacle kind of things. Yeah. And, and that, Sorcerer is, is very much not that kind of movie. Right. But having watched it and loved it, if I was in 19... I mean, in 1977, watching this, it would have been fucking amazing. The bridge sequence mm-hmm. and a few other things. So... Yeah, I also know that... Um, because I, I read the chapter of Freakin' Connection, which is also just called Sorcerer, and it seemed like this was also just, um, like, no critic gave it a positive review, which that part of it seems crazier to me than, like, the public shifting to Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. 
And um, a big a big chunk of that though is because of Wages of Fear being so acclaimed, right? 1953's version. Yeah, so they probably took it as like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? But right. What were we gonna say, Dan? Okay, so Sorcerer was released June twenty fourth, nineteen seventy seven. The original Star Wars: A New Hope, one three, whatever the fuck number you call it nowadays, was released May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven. So that shows you how fucking dominant Star Wars was cash cowing at that time so almost a whole month Hmm. i did read that it it, they gave sorcerer a release for that week that it came out and they did not play star wars at some of the theaters and i guess they were pissed off because nobody was showing up because star wars was making so much money and so many people were showing up to see it so they really wanted sorcerer out like as soon as they could get it out. Mm-hmm. The so the the shitty town that that we all met each other in, Mill Basin. Yeah, uh, when Grindhouse was in the local theater for like two weeks, that opening weekend we went and saw it. I think we had to go like a Sunday or something because it was a it's a fucking double feature. It's like four and a half hours. And I remember asking the proprietor of said theater, like, hey, how's this doing? Like, is it doing pretty well? And he was like, no, fuck no. I can't wait to stop showing it. Like, he was so pissed that he was, like, you know, killing screen time when he could have been showing two Vin Diesel movies, you know. And a rock yeah, movie. I can, I, yeah, when you've only got a theater back in the 70s with, like, two screens, yeah, you're probably itching to get fucking Star Wars back. I remember seeing Grindhouse like opening weekend as well, and it was like you walked into the theater and there were five other people in there. It's like mm-hmm. I don't think this one's gonna be the smash hit they were hoping for. Yeah, f- five other guys that you could probably get along with and have a nice conversation with, but five guys that would never just say hello to each other. No. Hey, you walk in and you're like, look at these fucking losers. Yeah. Five Guys, it was probably the greatest movie podcast that would have ever existed, but nobody Mm -hmm. said anything. You're telling me these five losers got four and a half hours where they have no other obligations. None of these guys. Potential lifelong friendship if only these guys (laughs) wouldn't just look at their feet when they walked. They all say they love Tarantino, but then they'll realize that... I won't go into that. (laughs) Speaking of which, fun fact, Tarantino does say this is one of his favorite movies. I believe it. Well, I also watched some of that... uh, How do you... Nicholas Wyden Reffin? Winding? (laughs) Uh, How do you say his name? Reffin? Yeah, Reffin. We'll just say Reffin. The director of Drive. Yeah, I did watch part of that interview that he did with Freakin, and he seems to be, like, all about this movie. I mean, they're both kind of annoying people in the interview, but uh, the one thing that I got from it was, like, Refn was super complimentary of it. Like, he thinks it's one of the best films ever made. Do you concur? Do you put this—how uh, how high do you put this on your— personal list 
I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely picked it for uh, five-star bangers. I don't know where it would ultimately land. I mean, maybe, I would say at least, you know, like top 20. I would probably put it in, in that group. Cool. You could you could do 20? I, I Yeah, given enough time, I can make a list of my top 20 movies. You couldn't do 20, damn? You get Demons 1 and Demons 2. There you go. There's <laughs> two. You got 18 that, left. That's no, number that, 1 and 2. <laughs> Demons 1 and Demons 2 counts as just one. No. Well, that's you got to watch them together. If I, can, if I can do Kill Bill 1 and 2 as one, I'll allow you to do Demons two, 1 and 2. As, as Kill one. Bill 1 and 2 is in your top 20. It might be. I'm going Kill Bill 1 all day long. Get rid of 2. Get out of here. I don't need it. Go jerk off in a closet and hang yourself. Ouch. Just put, Accidentally. Uh, j- just take them both off and put Inglorious Bastards on the list if you want Thank a you. Tarantino on there. Or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Mm-hmm. I look at my own personal DVD collection or Blu-ray, whatever, and I'm like, why do I have this many Quentin Tarantino movies? I asked myself that like a month ago. Well, I feel like coming up, I feel like putting together a top 20 is easier than a top 10. Yeah. You got 10 more spaces to work with. I mean, we're, we're going to, I'm going to nag you this week periodically through group text. We're going to work on this together, Dan. No, there will be blood is like one through seven. So I don't know. Well, we've might already be, might be pretty easy. We've already established you get demons one and two. So there's <laughs> eight. Get, there will be blood. <laughs> uh, guys, do you have any uh, opening thoughts on how you felt about sorcerer? Um, we watched. We were just talking this before the record. I think we all watched Wages of Fear together almost 15 years ago or so like we're back in the netflix dvd by mail era when i think, I think we decided we were going to try to do the criterion collection like one two like in order i think that's what our mindset was yeah but also dan you curated a lot of that i would just show up and you would have you know that those two years there where I was watching shit that I never would have watched on my own, like fucking once. I wouldn't have sought out once. Now I watch once all the time. Love Good it. Fucking movie. It's great. Yeah. Might might be a five star banger, guys. Yeah. Um but I real I I really loved Wages of Fear for it being nineteen fifties, like holds up. Um I think Sorcerer eats its fucking lunch. Uh, so this was, this was one that I always heard about. Yeah. I think this was a similar thing for me where it's like, by the time you hear either, you know, the 10th director or like read the 15th article where they've all mentioned sorcerer at some point. Yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of the whole reason I tracked it down was it just kept like popping up for whatever reason on like an interview I read or, you know, something I listened to a podcast or something. So 
that's kind of how I originally found this one. It do you guys from your perception do you feel like there's a resurgence of it like in the last few years like there's a lot of people talking about it more? Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of people that have like come around to either saying this is Freakin's best movie or um just like a great American film or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's in part to Freakin as well. He's now doesn't he consider this his best piece of work? That's crazy. I don't know. I guess Yeah, I would think French Connection would still be his baby, right? But uh yeah, so I, gotta I, be the exorcist to me. I mean Well, when I was reading um the freaking c- connection, he talks about like in the chapter, he says that he basically thought of this when he was making it as like everything in his career had led up to it. And I think he even says in the chapter he still considers it to be like the best film that he made. Like Ed Wood watching Plan 9. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said it came together exactly how he wanted it to. Nothing was changed, I think. Well, but I mean, cool. you gotta love you gotta love what made you, right? The Exorcist. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, but doesn't he like constantly show up and try to dick around with the Exorcist? Still, I think he is he producer on all the other ones. I'll be honest with you; I've only ever seen The Exorcist. I've never seen any of the other ones. I I hear tell that Exorcist Three is amazing. So Exorcist Three is pretty good. Yeah. Let's just pick up. When do you make a Exorcist category, and we'll just watch one, two, three. Will you make your uh, lady watch one, two, and three? Me? Yeah. I can't make my woman do anything. The fact that I'm calling her my woman is offensive. <laughs> I can I, know sli- you were- I can slightly suggest. I know you were trying to sneak in The Exorcist. So yes, it it was on my Halloween list this year, and oh, yeah. it 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 never came up. And I, but I really can't complain because I I certainly got out of uh, the Christmas list that was written on the board. So I only had I only had to sit through a few, and she was a good she was a good sport and put some Christmas adjacent movies on there, you know. Eyes Wide Shut, Maniac Cop 2, you know, The Brain. The Brain. That's next year, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't wear those out, you know. You just tell her to pick out some actual Christmas movies and you'll fill out the adjacent pieces that go around it. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll, so I think as a way to segue into like, some of the action in this movie. Uh, The plot for this kind of overall is um, when the movie opens, we kind of meet each of the four main characters. Um, You get like a little backstory for each of them. Yeah. Uh, Essentially, they've all done something uh, like unforgivable and are escape from their life and go down to uh, somewhere in, you know, South America to some kind of jungle yeah, and it uh, seems like they're all just kind of bumming around doing manual labor for like no money, essentially. Uh, where they're working, there's a huge 
uh, explosion. There's an oil refinery there. It goes up in flames. They can't put it out. Uh, so our four guys end up uh, driving trucks across the jungle that are full of unstable nitroglycerin. Uh, so one false move and these things will go off. Um, <clears throat> but their whole goal is to get that nitro to the end point so they can blow out the fire. Blow out. Uh, a lot. Hmm. Go ahead. None. Blow, blow out. Hmm. Hmm. I've, I've come a long way through the jungle. Yep, that was a pretty concise uh, uh, synopsis there. Yeah, uh, I what I also noticed on my second watch for this, like prepping for this, that like literally the halfway point of the movie is them leaving. Mm-hmm. I had never really thought of that before. I wonder how intentional that was if if they wrote it and, and sort of edited it that way because you. Whenever you watch it again, you're like, God damn, they really do take their fucking time. Yeah, I was setting say, I remember all of this that, up, you know. I remember that from when I watched it the first time, like, all right, get to the fucking like get to the shit. But then yeah. I think on this viewing, I was like, All right, I really appreciate that we actually had each piece. Yeah. And Yeah, about- I kinda I, I kinda always think that every time I watch this movie, like Because I think you remember the action beats to it, but you get Mm -hmm. that whole first hour. And even this time watching it, I was like, damn, they really take their time on this. But as soon as you hit that that montage where they're like building the trucks out, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, man, this shit is (laughs) getting good now. (laughs) That was actually what I was going to bring up was like that prep montage like not a there's no guns there's no knives they're not like putting on belts or like these guys are just fixing a truck it's fucking and blue it collar in it yeah up. and wow. you're just fucking cranked for it like yes mm-hmm. yeah they're just like uh putting on fucking belts and shit onto the motor and mm-hmm. getting everything squared away and it's uh replacing control arms and mm-hmm. winches yeah like, that's so, a day, though. Like, you're like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, we're going to work mm-hmm. on these cars, dudes. We're going to drink some beers. Like, dudes just being dudes. I <laughs> I went down a hell of a rabbit hole on these trucks. I was like, I had to Google, like, what are the trucks in Sorcerer? And they are GMC M211s, like, originally developed for the war. Yep. And ended up watching so many podunk... YouTube videos, you know, videos with like 600 views where a guy's like just going around one that he bought and it's in great condition and he can't believe it. I'll send you guys one and I'll try to timestamp it. This kid is in the cab of one of these trying to explain why the troops hated the automatic transmission that they originally had in these. And his dog starts like yapping and scratching at the door. And he doesn't pause the video. He's like still holding the camera at the grid that shows like the shift like layout. And he's like, what do you want, dog? Do you want to go in? Well, let me undo your leash. Come here. And he opens the door. And then he goes, sorry about that. My dog just wanted out. 
and I got to let her off the leash. If I don't do it, if I just let her go, she'll like run up to the house and there's nobody there. So, all right. Anyway, so on the <laughs> half an hour, I paused Sorcerer to watch this guy talk about this truck. That's how good Sorcerer was. They are pretty badass, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I think <clears throat> also this movie like completely shot on location. So, yeah. uh, like as they're putting those trucks together, I'm pretty sure Scheider looks like he was like dipped in oil. He's so sweaty. Like he's just head to toe, just soaked through all of his clothes. He is such a '70s looking guy, '70s looking actor. I mean, they got like cuts like on their hands, cigarette lean, bruises yeah. and shit. Yeah, so it looks. Yeah, they did all their own stunts. I think. I think uh, they said that fifty people had to leave the set due to like injury and gangrene and malaria and shit. Yeah. So. In the the book, he talks a lot about how they lost like half their cast and crew at different points for. Like, people were just getting malaria right and left and shit, so. Wasn't there a, cr- uh, a quote from Scheider? Like, he got tired of going to the airport and waving goodbye to people? <laughs> like, that eventually he just was like, I gotta quit being nice to, and, like, learning these people's names. Because, like, they're just <laughs> dropping, like, flies. Where I shit. Uh, what, like, uh, to me, there's a... I say to me, I mean, the bridge sequence, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of unbeatable in term, like master class of suspension <laughs> um, and tension. Uh, anything else like action wise, like sticks out for you guys? I mean, the bridge scene for sure. Uh, them rigging up that, that whole setup to blow up the tree is pretty good too. Just yeah. the amount of like, work that they show you them doing to to make that all happen yeah it's good job of thinking out the issue at hand which i really liked um and just the scenes of them it looks like he's like yeah just drive straight through that fucking jungle right there and i'm gonna film it on the other side like is there a tree i don't know maybe we'll see like but yeah, which I could have used a little bit more of them driving through the jungle, I think. But yeah, it looks like like them coming down that fucking hill with like all the mud and shit. And I oh, think yeah. the the less dialogue they use there was is great. Yeah. And there's a lot of on the trip. And there's a lot of repetitive like uh agitating dialogue that's repeated. Especially like in the bridge scene when the French guy is like, where are you? I can't see you. Where are you? I can't see you. It like adds to you saying like, he's fucking like, will you stop? Like, you got to stop, you know? Or the opposite is true. I'm like, why are you stopping? Just keep fucking going. Just keep fucking going. Like, just just cruise across this thing. Yeah, I never realized on the first viewing, like whenever the truck would lean, they would stop. And then whenever it came back, like they would actually go. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, okay. Because I always thought, like, why the fuck would you go out on the bridge like that in that kind of storm? But I was like, I guess you, yeah, you would have to, you'd need a guide no matter what. Yeah. Because you think, all right, just go straight. 
Well, I think in the the bridge too has like so many holes in it and just uh, loose boards and shit. That mm-hmm. that's kind of why they got like one guide and one you know guy operating the truck. Right. Oh, but I, that yeah, I just there's a part of me that's like, well, I could go fucking slow and be miserable, or I could just fly across this, and if I wreck, I blow up. Like, <laughs> well, there's also. Like on that bridge sequence, there's a part where uh, I think like Scheider is guiding one of the guys. And uh, like there's a part where they, you know, like narrowly avoid dying. And then there's like no dialogue and Scheider just starts waving them on again. And the guy just looks so miserable. Like <laughs> we are both going to die immediately. <laughs> one of my favorite interactions is the first time the French guy and the Palestinian got to get out of the truck because they had that turn and French dude's like, all right, get in there and I'll, I'll guide you. And the Palestinian's like, no fuck. Like he's there's, he, he, he has this like pattern of like, no. Okay. No fuck. No. Like it, it goes back and forth, which is really great. Like there's no, like he's just venting to get it out. Uh, what's up with this native dude? What is the, what, what what is the significance of this? The assassin guy? No, the the, the tribe oh. the tribe guy that sees the truck and just starts running. He's running? Yeah, with I I don't know. I think he's just like I guess to me it's like maybe uh that guy's trying to be like very playful and <laughs> Just the fact that you know these guys have uh, enough nitroglycerin to explode, yeah, an entire village like in their truck at the time. Is it is it like a cinematic way of like talking about like you just don't know what other people are dealing with? Like you just you just take these guys driving a truck at face value, you know, mm-hmm. and you really don't know yeah. like what bullshit they're carrying. That company's moved in, so taking over their land, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think in the book as well, Freakin' talks about how, like, that bridge sequence, because you get both trucks crossing, and I think he says, like, all together, um, it's roughly, like, 12 minutes, which makes it uh, one-tenth of the runtime of the film. Is like just the bridge sequences. Wow. Three months to film. Yeah. Just the bridge stuff. I mm-hmm. think they had to rebuild it at one point. Yeah. Because of the, drought. Yeah. So the, the first time they they found like a bridge or they built a bridge over a river and they thought it was all going to work. And by the time they, because I, I think he said they hooked up some kind of like hydro, hydraulic thing to the bridge that would make it, would Shift. give it that sway. Um, but it's like by the time they had built the first one out, that, br- or the water had like all, you know, it, it had like dried up basically. So they had to move that entire thing to another river. And rebuild it. That's why he went so over budget. I guess it was a million bucks to build the bridge. So mm-hmm. they had to rebuild it. Spend another million. Yeah, I think the initial budget they set was like $20 million total. And I'm pretty sure they went like over that 
that mark. Yeah. And they well, they had to reshoot a ton of stuff too because he fired the original cinematographer, right? Mm-hmm. He quit halfway through. Okay. Because he said he uh, freaking was too demanding and like what an asshole, pretty much. No way. <laughs> In the book, freaking says that uh, that like the original uh, photographer kept arguing that they should be doing everything on a stage because they could control like the lighting and everything better. Yeah, uh, and freaking was just like adamant that like none of this would be filmed <laughs> in a staged environment. Yeah, you're you're talking to the guy who famously chased after a train <laughs> with no permit, like. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we're still on action, I always forget about the fucking, um, f- so the explosion in the beginning, the terrorist explosion is fucking massive. And then the, uh, oil derrick blowing up is so excessive, but awesome. Like you could just show an explosion and then cut to like, shit, the thing exploded. But instead, it's a minute and a half of bodies being burnt and people running. Like it's, it really is incredible. And then you get that ten-minute scene of the bodies being brought into the town, and the local townspeople freaking out and like basically rioting. And then the cavalry from the army riding in and all that shit. Like you don't see any of our main characters at all for like fifteen minutes. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it does a great job of like establishing the turmoil and everything that would be in that, you know, of that time. And I believe I read that that was one of the things they wanted to talk about was like how miserable, you know, our involvement in Latin America had made Latin America at the time. Mm-hmm. I would say there was kind of a <clears throat> surge of films during this time that were like El Salvador uh, or El Salvador with Oliver Stone. And they kind of took place down in there in South America. Yeah. I think it's just Salvador with James Woods. Yeah. Yeah. I just recently watched that for action boys. I seen that years ago. Um, But yeah, it seems like there was kind of a little section of movies that were just kind of pushed towards maybe it's just because of all the turmoil that was going down in there at that time i guess yeah so uh well we've kind of been beating around the bush but uh what do you guys think of the actual directing of this movie do you think freaking did a good job do you think this is you know one of his best films I think this is a great fucking, like, like I said, if you've never seen it, you're going to kind of think setting up the the gentleman and even you might even get a little confused because I know in my first viewing when I seen it, I was like, are these the same guys? But they are once they get down to the, uh, I think it's, they filmed it in the Dominican Republic, but I don't know what South American town it's supposed to be. But uh, once it gets started, like you're on it, you're on the truck, you're going with it, like no matter what. And yeah, man, I think it's just a fucking, like a pure 
fucking fun ride. Like, all right, that was a fucking movie. Like, so like I said everything comes together. Even the ending, it's got a little twist there, which is pretty nice. And so, yeah, I mean, I like it. I, I think it's, I think it did a good job. There are two details, which I think highlight the direction of this. In the uh, Roy Scheider vignette in the beginning, when him and those guys are robbing the, the bingo hall in the church during a wedding, the bride has a black eye. Totally unnecessary, but in that one little shot, like it totally establishes everything you sort of need to know about that. Like, oh, this is crazy. It helps like amp the world up. And then the other I noticed on this viewing, um, when we cut to Scheider uh, in South America and he wakes up and he's in this like shitty little hostel and he goes out to wash his face, there's a cigarette burning. Like the guy before him lit a cigarette and left it there and it's just totally burned out. It's just totally ashed up and it sustains it. He switches shots, shows like him splashing like, you know, in a close up and then comes back out and it's still there. And that stood out to me as like the thought of building that was insane. Like most people wouldn't have thought about like, Oh, put a cigarette there and light it and let it sit there for 10 minutes and then come out. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, I like your point there too. Like whenever a dude comes in at the company and they're like putting the stuff in with the oil, like all over the fucking place too. Like he just kind of stops and looks at the guy and then like continues. Like, I think that's really fucking cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think the direction is, is really, really solid. Um, we, we kind of talked about like the shift from this kind of movie into, you know, whatever Star Wars would lead you into for the next, uh, basically up until now with filmmaking. Yeah. But it does feel like in a way, this is one of the last movies where like the director, like you could just say, you know, Roy Scheider, you're going to go down to the Dominican Republic. It's going to be super dangerous. And like, a big studio would sign off on that kind of thing of like, we might kill this guy while we're down there. If something goes wrong, you know, it could happen. And it seems like everything now is just so um, like that would never happen again, you know, where your main uh, attraction for the film is actually in some kind of dangerous situation. Yeah. Unless you're Tom Cruise. Right. And, yeah, he's, I mean, and he's choosing to do that. You know, it's yeah. not like he's not doing it for Macquarie. Who's like, dude, we got to do it like this. Mm-hmm. But, and then the interesting thing is like the powerhouse directors, like the guys now that would want it perfect. Like Cameron, who is like a fucking tyrant and like rightfully so like guy delivers. Cause he wants it a very specific way. He wouldn't go to South America and shoot it. He would build a giant fucking set, you know? Nolan might buy something to wreck it, be like, because I want to do it this way, but he would still have it set up in a certain way. I think, yeah. Yeah, Fincher would just use CGI. It looks so good you wouldn't even know it was CGI. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, I think there are, you know, exceptions like crews of, of big stars that are still willing to, to risk it in a way, but Mm -hmm. it just kind of seems like, you know, everything before Sorcerer, Sorcerer, you kind of had some leeway as a director to say like, no, this is how we're going to do it. You're actually behind the wheel of the truck. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, cause we have to get the shot like that. Whereas, um, it does seem like it's just moved in a direction now where it's, you know, there's no, everything is calculated perfectly. (laughs) As you were saying that it reminded me of the story of, um, Miami vice, Michael Mann. Cause I feel like Michael Mann is the in-between of Friedkin and Cameron, Mm -hmm. like in terms of like choices and how specific he is, but what he's sort of talking about. There's that story during Miami Vice where fucking Jamie Foxx and his crew were just like, nah, this shit's too dangerous. And they just fucking left production for like three weeks. Like, you don't hear anything about like Roy Scheider just like fucked off. Like, not dangerous, you know? Mm. I think he was upset. I think him and freaking didn't really get along, I guess, because he was upset with the conditions of the... Of the filming, I guess. Oh, okay. And I think Frank had called him a diva because he's like, he's got some big head because of Jaws was a success. Yeah, I can't imagine how shooting this movie would not lead to <laughs> some kind of bad situation. Like when that dude gets hurt pushing the pipe up in like the river, I'm like, I think that dude really got hurt there. <laughs> Like, yeah, and freaking probably have. yelled at somebody for stopping. Like, just keep <laughs> going, film it. Yeah. I think he says in the, the scene where uh, those terrorists blow up that building in Jerusalem or wherever, uh, like, because they had a fake explosion. And he was like, as we were shooting two blocks down the street, there was a real explosion that happened. So he was like, I just told everyone to go over there so we could, like, steal shots. Oh, fuck. Okay. (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, Anything else that we didn't really touch on? I was going to bring up the the score by Tangerine Dream. Yeah. Uh, I think it works really well in this movie. Apparently, they wrote it without seeing anything. They only had the script. Yeah. 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 Freaking sent him the script and kind of told him what he was thinking. Like, not for the music, but just kind of, here's the tone I'm trying to get with this movie. Yeah. And he said he just let him go. And, you know, a couple months later, they sent him two hours of audio. The the track during the, the uh, truck buildup montage is fucking perfect. And then I think I feel like the music's pretty minimal during the when they're trying to blow up the trunk. Like mm-hmm. that works real yeah. where like um where real well. Jesus Christ. Rule juror. I did read something and I think this goes back on one of our movies, the Tangerine Dream. I guess they were pretty big at scoring but um, yeah. yeah, they've done a lot of movies. They're they're they did the next movie we're doing. Yeah, I was gonna say don't. I guess we could give it away, but yeah, we're gonna 
double dip mm -hmm. on them. But we well, might have had them it, already, right? Well, it was brought up in another episode where they did something and then it was re-rolled into the Warriors. And I got that same thing that came up when I was looking into this movie. Okay. And I was like, I, was like, I can't remember what that was, but I know I we've talked about that at one point. And I was like, did Walter Hill just love all this shit and just throw it in the Warriors, I guess? Well, and I think they, they just did so much stuff, too. I mean, yeah. they've scored a ton of films. I think they've put out, like, an insane amount of albums. Yeah. So well, It might just be they track sounded almost similar to, you know, something else they did, maybe. Um, mm. They did GTA Five, which mm -hmm. is a great soundtrack. But sorry, we this is their, their first time that we've had them, but uh, we will have them a third time eventually, <sighs> for sure. I, I know that. I have to go back and <laughs> looking at there. But yeah, I seen that and I was like, man, there's something else because I know I remember talking about something else got rolled into the Warriors, which you might see as well. I think my favorite piece of music on this movie. Um, is right after that terrorist explosion. There's like a shot of a military vehicle where it's just like you're looking kind of down the gun that sits on top of the car or whatever. Yeah. And there's just like a little like synth thing that kicks in. But that's the kind of like first part of the movie where I'm like, I'm kind of getting into the feel of this thing. Any, uh, can we, with that, can we segue into like any favorite frames, like favorite shots or anything like that? Because I have a few that definitely stand out. Yeah, I would definitely say that one, like just that shot down, you know, that vehicle, because it's such a unique shot the way he has it framed. Like you're just getting the like the length of a gun barrel that takes up like half the frame. Yeah. Uh, and it's real quick. It's like a very, you know, it's like part of an action sequence getting you through that terrorist explosion. Um, really like that one. And then some of the bridge stuff too, you know? Yeah. The, the framing of the assassin dude laying on his ass in front of the truck as it's coming towards you on the bridge. Like that's just insane. Um, the other two that stick out to me, uh, spoiler alert, uh, when the, when the French dude, when the, the tire explodes at the end and they go over the hill, the shot inside the, the cargo area of the boxes bouncing up, while it's such a simple thing, like whatever effect that they get, they got to use that, I think looks so good. Like the, the editing on that is, is so perfect. You know, just this conversation. Like they're so relieved. They know they're so close. The guy's dreaming of home, talking about, you know, and it's it's such a bummer. But those those three quick shots are really effective. My absolute favorite shot of the whole movie is at the end. Schreider's got he's like broken down, and he's carrying the uh, the box the last two miles to the thing, and he's coming out of the darkness, and it's you know all. Not steady cam at this time, but handheld, and he's walking into it, and he starts to brighten up, and then you realize that he's like getting closer to the, um, the flame and shit. Like that is, 
he kind of rounds that corner and then those guys come out of the darkness to like surround him. Danny, I, I love the uh, before the bridge sequence, whenever that truck or both of those trucks are just sliding down that fucking yeah. the hill, just like, and then they come to a little stop. I just, I think that's so fucking like, holy shit. Like, cause you're just like, what the, f- okay, I guess we're mm-hmm. just going. And you just got that in the back of your truck. Like, what the fuck, dude? And then, yeah, when they're just driving through the jungle, it's just like, god damn. Fuck yeah, dude. It's so effective because, I mean, we've all been in cars in snow going down a hill, and you've had that, like, fuck, I'm not stopping. It is what it is. (laughs) Just ride it out. Mm -hmm. Hope for the best. That's all you got to do. But, yeah, I love Uh, that, just that sliding, and that mud looks perfect, and, like, fuck, dude, they're in it. Like shit. The other one I forgot to mention is in Roy Scheider's character when they're setting him up. Uh, the car crash that happens when he's with like the the other yeah. gangsters that he's with. Because the way the car flips, like I'm sure it's just a dummy, but there's like like you see a guy slide out of the side, like the back window basically, <laughs> and it just looks so rough. I mean, it looks terrible. That was like 28 takes or something, right? Yeah, they did a whole... <laughs> like, I think... Uh, That's like the last they, thing they filmed, I think. Yeah, they went through like seven cars at least to try to get that shot to work. And I believe the guy riding shotgun in that scene was like an actual thief. Or like mm-hmm, criminal guy. or gangster or something, so... I guess Freakin's like part. Michael Mann where he is he loves these guys that actually were in the shit. I think uh the other three guys are like they were not actors. They were just kind of gangster guys that uh Freakin knew, I think through working on French Connection. Yeah. Brought their own guns to set and shit. <laughs> Gave everybody a bunch of blow and mm-hmm. got out of there. Uh, anything else we missed? Kind of touched on score a little bit. You guys got anything else? I got a few of like my usual bullshit observations or like whatever we can run through if you, if you don't got anything else, but yeah, let's have them. Uh, no flash on the gun in the very beginning. There's like, there's like, With the assassin guy? Yeah. Like, I recognize that he's got a suppressor on it, but it's very obvious that he's just pulling a trigger on a fake gun. Um, <laughs> I would put that in the mixed feelings, like, eh, we could maybe do something with that. Um, we talked about the black eye on the bride, which I think was great. Um, one of my favorite little... Uh, I forgot to talk about this, like, with the direction. When Scheider's staring at the Coke promo, like, the the lady on the beach and he's just sort of daydreaming. I fucking love that. Like I would be looking at that every day while I was there. Well, that's really all they have to look at where they are. Yeah. <laughs> like there's one Coke mm-hmm. ad that. Yep. I had recently watched Barton Fink and that's kind of like in his hotel room. And I was like, I wonder if maybe the Coens like that was kind of where they were going with that. But 
I don't know, it might have just been a coinky dink. Uh, later on, when he gets picked up by the local police and they're hounding him, and they, you know, they call him a filthy gringo asshole. Filthy ass gringo. Um, he opens the coke with the gun. Yeah, yeah. There's some. There was. Yeah, that was cool. But there was. I think there's just some weird connection about like how refreshing a cold coke would be there. You know, there was something about like it was. It wasn't enough that they were fucking blackmailing this guy or whatever. You know, whatever you. What's the technical term there? Like just harassing him. Yeah, like a shakedown, basically. Yeah, yeah. and then to like take all his cash and then open a Coke in front of him. I don't know. Like, man. And to get him while he was eating his meal. Like, Mm -hmm. Uh, why the fuck do guys have to move so fast? Why does everything move so fast on an oil rig? Like, shit is heavy and slippery. Is there, can we just not slow down just a little bit? I don't, like, you got to get that oil out of the ground, baby. Slick, baby. Slow is steady. Slow is steady and steady is fast, my friend. Every time I watch a movie with fucking drilling, I'm just like, guys, slow the fuck down a second. Um, yeah, the oil rig explosion is just gratuitous, but it's amazing. Um, the when they when they're doing the test drive to feel out the potential drivers. Yep. Uh, the first guy, what the fuck was he doing? <laughs> the guy just, who like doesn't even know how to drive a truck at all. Well, no, the first guy is just fucking cruising and just bouncing around because they because oh, yeah. they open Cause on the water. bottle just going crazy. Yes. And the uh, we didn't really talk about him, but the guy who works for the company who's you know testing everybody, he's like, slow down, stop. And the guy's like, I got to test the vehicle out. I was like, no, I think he's testing you for. Like steadiness. What the fuck mm-hmm. is the point here? Um, and then the Palestinian guy almost running over the kids. Like that You're was crazy. His, that was his gamble, I guess, to get the job. Like, well, this fucking guy will do it. Yep. Um, but yeah, that whole that whole sequence is great. Teamster reference. I thought about you there, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then why are the other guys in the back of the truck? I like, think it's. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, but I think it's just kind of like if this guy doesn't work out and he gets 20 feet down the road, we can just have another guy okay. jump off the back and come in. Okay, have two or three guys back there, but make yeah. the make the route a loop because every time they got tossed around, I was, I was like, that is just for aesthetic purposes, right? That just adds a little bit of some color to it. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, and then the last thing is, so uh, originally they select four guys. Uh, one of them is like a German guy. Is They show like, is he a Nazi? Was he supposed to be yeah. like, uh, okay. I think so. Okay. So then you, which is a cool way of saying like, well, then I don't really care that the assassin shoots him to take his spot. <laughs> um, yeah, at that, at that time, a lot of Nazis had escaped to South America. That was yeah. their plan, so... I like how they kind of put that in there a little bit. I but thought that was kind of yeah. a interesting thing. Interesting that the Nazi and the Palestinian got along. <laughs> well, I thought that was basically just like in this very specific situation, you literally want whoever is the next best driver with you. Like, yeah. You know, it, like, 
this is the one time where you're like, I don't give a shit about that guy's background. Like, can he drive a truck? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the other things I really liked, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've said it on this, maybe even in reference to this movie, but um, I really love how low stakes, like, the money is in this. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they're trying to get, like, $10,000 so they can get out of wherever they are. Yeah. But I just think it's a lot more int- You know, if it's like, oh, you drive the truck and you get $8 million, it's kind of... It's less interesting in a way, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, they negotiate, they renegotiate. They say we want double of what you're originally paying us, mm-hmm. and we want full citizenship, which is like, yeah, we want to be able to like get just work down here. here or get the fuck out. Like, we want a passport so we can get the fuck out of here or mm-hmm. to quit being bothered, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, because I think it was like 8000 or 10000 because at the one at the one point where Scheider thinks the guys behind him ate it, and he's like, they're not going to make it. Like, we're double. sitting on, he's like, we're, not, we're sitting on double shares. 20000 double shares. Like, I do like that. The bridge. So he's it like finding that bridge. the, yeah, he's like finding the positivity in it, like, and it's, especially because the French guy is the one who forced him to take that route. When he realizes, like, fuck, this wasn't the right way, and now we, fuck, we made it, but he's gonna get screwed. I did like well, that. I, Double shit. I like how he didn't like cut it either, like to fuck the bridge up. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna let this guy try this shit, and he's like, he's not gonna make that bridge. Like, there's yeah. no way. Like, I I really enjoyed that. I thought that was pretty cool. Because normally a dude would just go out there and like cut it. Yeah. Like, oh. I also think all the casting in this is really great. Like, nobody looks like a movie star in this. You know, like, Scheider is the biggest name, but dude looks like he has malaria and is sweating the entire time. And even just, like, the background guys, um, like, the two guys who are kind of in charge of the oil rig are, uh, they just, you know, I'm sure they're, like, character actors, but Mm -hmm. I think everybody looks like, they would get stuck in this situation. You yeah. Know? Do you French, guys know French that, dude uh, looks great. He's got a great fucking look. He stands mm-hmm. out amongst them. What are we saying? Steve McQueen actually accepted the part as the lead. But his he also wanted his lady to co-star, but I guess uh, freaking was like, I'm not doing that shit. You know who his lady is? Or was at the time? Who was it? I can't. I didn't read it. Uh, Allie McGraw, mm-hmm. who who we saw in uh, in our preseason in the lost episodes of Convoy. Well, that is another thing that he did go after, Mister Chris Christopherson. No way. Christopherson said, "I don't have the acting chops to carry this film." And can you guess the movie that he signed on? After he said no to to Sorcerer. Convoy, baby. Yeah, Yeah, you just said it. (laughs) Badass. I think he could have pulled it off. Yeah, I was like, I could see that. You guys guys watched our next movie yet? I haven't yet. Okay. I watched like the first 10 minutes and then 
Uh, I mean, I didn't turn it off for any reason. I was oh. just like, this is too early to watch the podcast movie. Right. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about it, obviously. I didn't I didn't want to make another sorcerer mistake. <laughs> watch it. Yeah, three weeks. Yeah, watch it like three weeks in advance. What were you saying, Dan? Oh, yeah, he just made Convoy. And so, yeah, that takes us back. Also, uh, Stephen King, this is also one of his favorite movies as well. That's why he made Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, That's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. too. Friedkin, he has a hard-on for McQueen, because I think in uh, two of the YouTube interviews I saw, he's like, uh, McQueen in Bullet, it's a masterpiece. He's amazing, like he in that freaking speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a part in the book, because like Dan was saying, he originally said, uh, McQueen said, like, can you write a part for my wife? And Freakin was like, there are no women in this movie, really. So just that an old, was sad woman washing floors. Yeah. She gets um, a dance. But then after that, McQueen was like, well, can you just make her um, associate producer? And Freakin was literally like, that that title is bullshit. And I will never have it on any of my movies. And what? then he uh, kind of, like, in the book, he said he regretted it because he was like, it was a bullshit title. I could have just given her that, and, like, I would have had McQueen. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm, okay. He must have just, like, really loved her and knew he was going to miss her, or maybe he was, like, super jealous and didn't trust her if he was, like, in the Dominican Republic for six months. I think they were like, like just married. They were in that, you know, honeymoon phase, okay. if you want to call it that. So, because he was, I mean, shit. Okay, of course, I know all my Hollywood history through the scope of Tarantino. You know, and McQueen pops up in Once Upon a Time to give the little speech explaining, you know, Sharon Tate's history with the two guys, and it, you know, the his the story goes that McQueen was you know, was in love with Sharon Tate for years and it was unrequited and cause she had a thing for like little soft femme boys with bull haircuts. So that made me think like, yeah, maybe once he fucking actually locked down a woman, he's like, nah, I don't want any French dudes coming along and stealing her. Uh, Dan, do you have any research we didn't land on? Oh, uh... Said open June twenty fourth, nineteen seventy seven. Uh, the budget was twenty two million. It went over. The studio was kind of mad at him. Uh, came in at nine million for his box office. So it was a, a failure. Uh, but I think everything else we covered. Uh, I did find a little fact that. <laughs> He hired an arsonist from Queens, New York to actually blow up the tree. Mm-hmm. I guess he sent him like, hey, I need you down here. And like three days later, he showed up with like all the shit that he needed to actually have the shit that would blow the tree apart out of the way. Because I guess the other guys couldn't get the, a big enough explosion that he wanted. Yeah, so like, to me, that was crazy. Like, oh, I know this arsonist in Queens. Yeah. Let me give him a call. Like... <laughs> Like no lips because they've been burnt off. No eyebrows and shit. Looks like Fire Marshal Bill. 
Like who has that in their like index? Like, yeah. oh shit, yeah, that arsonist. Yeah, let's call that guy. What you need, Billy. <laughs> I think he made a lot of valuable connections, uh, filming the fringe connection yeah, of like low life. <laughs> yeah. But I mean that's yeah, like like I said, we've covered everything. Uh we've referenced the wages of fear that was from nineteen fifty three, if if anybody's interested in that, the original film, so but everything else, yeah, man, we've pretty much covered. Cool. Well, uh, should we rate these letter boxes up? <sighs> yeah, I mean, we already know where you're at, Kron. Exactly. Uh, so we already know where I'm at. I mean, I picked this movie four five star bangers, so uh, can't really, you know, I'm I'm gonna be at a five on this, right? I think in these, I think we should just give our own, right? Yeah, you know? I think so. Daniel, we go. Ah, uh, it's a five star banger for me as well. It's just a, it's a movie that I think is good from start to finish. It's a fun ride. You're there. It's got suspense. It's got everything. It's. It's a blue-collar, hardcore, working movie, dudes being dudes, uh, you know, sorry Teamsters. ladies, but big rigs, like action, explosives, uh, dudes just drinking beers whenever, it's, it's fucking fantastic, I, I think it's fun, so fun, so much fun, perfect. Alright, I think I'm probably like a two- No, you're not. Right. That wasn't even as bad of a groan as I thought it would get. No, I'm, I'm, I'm five on this. Yeah. Like, it, this thing perfectly executed. You you see the vision. You know what they're, what they're attempting to do, and they fucking deliver. It's a shame that... Um, oh, I remember what it was. I didn't write it down. Like, uh, there's a Netflix movie, uh, like a Netflix original movie called Point Blank, with Frank Grillo and um, Anthony Mackie, the guy who plays fucking Falcon in the MCU. And it's just this fun little 90-minute Netflix movie about like a paramedic who ends up having to help this fucking thief, like criminal, and it turns out the thief criminal is actually a good guy. What do you know? Um, but the the big bad in that is this guy named like Big D, like this gangster and he's obsessed with film and like wants to be a film director. And there's a sequence where he's watching sorcerer with his gang. And, um, it's on Netflix. I've, and I, for, for like the last year, I was like, what the fuck was that movie where the guy's flipping out about sorcerer? It's like an hour in. So if you throw it on, on Netflix, just scrub to like an hour and you'll watch this guy watching the bridge sequence. I think I might have came in on somebody watching that, and I was like, that's Sorcerer. Yeah, and he's like, he's just, he's like, he gets his gang all amped up, and they're like, oh shit, fuck. Yeah, and he's like, this shit should have been number one. Fuck Star Wars. This shit should have been number one. Like, Billy Freakin', man, that's a fucking filmmaker right there. It's great. Um, So that's my reaction. I mean, obviously, Star Wars, it's mostly positive, right? what Star Wars did, but it's a shame that this doesn't get more love. Mm-hmm. Five stars. 
by Sir Banger. The first unanimous all five ratings from the five-star rental guys. It's a five-star banger, man. Uh, well, I think, I think that's it, right? I mean, go watch it. Uh, I don't, is it, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Yeah. Not, not streaming, but also not super expensive if you just want to buy it digitally. So I I think, think I think the rental is $4 and to buy it is eight. So just buy it. I think it was $9.99 for the Blu-ray. So, yeah, I think I, I bought it. Uh, a pretty good HD transfer of it on iTunes, I think, for like six ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So, it's worth the money, folks. Yeah, you'll you'll want to watch it more than once. So, yep. ju- just buy it in whatever medium you prefer. <laughs> Get the track down the laser disc and buy that. Just watch it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just I, it's an SD version of this would still look fucking awesome. I think. So it's a hundred percent. Certified by the Five Day Rentals podcast. Yeah, if that means anything. They should put that in the trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. or I at know. least on the back of the DVD. Like, yeah, yeah. When they when they re-release it in theaters for the fiftieth anniversary, they'll get a pull quote from us. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe Cron. Maybe one day we'll get to introduce it at the Bell Court. Hey. That'd be fine with me. Mm-hmm. I have, I have looked at the Belcourt just to be like, why doesn't this movie like show up as a, a repertory screening? You know, let's fucking email them. Yeah, we'll yeah. host it. Fuck it. I'll pay a few. Th- I'll put some money up. We won't I'll have drive. to. We won't sell any I'll, tickets, but I'll I'll drive six hours. I think I'll, people would come out to see Sorcerer yeah. on the big screen. Yeah, I can. Maybe I can ask somebody in the audience, why do these guys move so fast on oil rigs? It's fucking scary. <laughs> Surely somebody in Nashville's worked on an oil rig. Surely. You know? Great pick, Kron. Thanks, man. Cool. So that that was my first five-star banger. Uh, Dan gave us one before with American Werewolf in London. Hello. So that means next time around we'll get a bones pick. Yep. Uh, I, I, I don't think we should announce. We have a list, but I think we'll we'll wait. We'll we'll announce it when we get there. These are yeah. infrequent, so it could be months away from now. Mm-hmm. We don't want to get off topic and watch too many good movies. Yeah. Yeah. We we got to get back to our bread and butter, baby. Yeah. Might ruin this show. What the fuck? Right on. Well, cool. all right, dudes. We're gonna take a break and uh, go into what we're doing next week. Uh, well, I mean, we've yeah. already got picked. We can talk about it right now, real quick, before we roll. All right. Yeah, we can. Um, so at the at the time that you're hearing this, we'll have just released our fourth rewind episode. So that's that'll kick off our first of the year. Um. We do those every three categories. It's just a way to kind of give ourselves a, a weekly break, revisit our big list, play a game. Um, Dan had a pretty good riddle riddle quiz for us in the last one. Rigged riddle rigged, quiz. Rigged, <laughs> rigged as always. Um, but uh, next week we will start a new category. 
that category is called My Face on the $1 Bill. And it's about um, found cash or desperation for cash. And I think Sorcerer was a great lead-in for that category. It was a great happenstance. So uh, next week will be... Hey, it's Bones. I uh, got to cut in here real quick. Uh, originally, the movie picked uh, for our category, uh, it decided to disappear from any streaming service. So in an attempt to make sure that everything we picked is more accessible this year, uh, I had to call an audible. And next week's pick will be Clint Eastwood's Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. You can find that on Amazon Prime at time of this recording. So now we'll jump back in, and we'll see you next week. Um, but there we go. We start the next the next batch of a good, what, nine weeks of... Categories. Like, yeah, like Kron said, our bread and butter. So, um, yeah, we had... We're almost at our year anniversary... This is like our 50-somethingth episode. We've had five reviews or five ratings and one review. Uh, Spotify just started a new rating system, so please, if you listen on Spotify, hit that thing. I think I speak for the other two guys. We don't really care. We kind of do this for ourselves, but it would be nice. Shoot us an email or a tweet or an Instagram or something. Do it. We do this for ourselves, but... By all means, if somebody would want something else, or maybe they want more Paul Verhoeven, maybe you want a commentary. We don't know, but come back next week. Crash and burn. Crash and burn. Crash and burn. Crash and burn.